theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston Press to ATO. Well, hello, friends. Hello, Quinn. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm ready to get nerdy with you. I Me feel too. like it's something that we do on a consistent basis, but I appreciate it. You make me smarter. I love you. You make me smarter too. I love I love these conversations because we start off usually thinking it's going to go one way and then end up learning a lot from just us discussing because we don't really know where this discussion is going to go. But I yeah. think that it's something that is definitely uh, well something we've been thinking about a lot yeah. and what others have actually been thinking a lot about yeah. as well. And <laughs> not a lot, but not a lot, but the people I would, we're learning from. <laughs> yeah, in the blockchain space. So today we're going to be talking about, you know, what is the value <laughs> of bringing something physical, yeah, uh, and physical in the real world and bringing that into the digital world, yes. right? And and we're specifically this is very t- complicated. It subject, is. So we're going to try to keep it super it's simple. Be fun. We're going to try. So we we've we've done many podcast episodes where we're talking about. NFTs, right? Yes. Non-fungible tokens yes. on the blockchain. And I don't think it would be too repetitive for us to briefly explain what is a non-fungible token. May You may go ahead, my love. So a non-fungible token is one, uh, a, a unique individual item mm-hmm. in the digital realm. Yeah, it, it's not replicated exactly. And so if it's, whether it's a home or perhaps like a painting, you're not going to get the exact same one over and over again. They can be, they cannot be ex- exchanged for the equivalent of what one is to the other one. Right. Because and makes, there's something that makes it unique. Exactly. It makes sense. So it's especially when you start talking about like, okay, one person's home versus another person's home. Can't trade them. Can't trade them. Yeah, um, so uh, humans, humans are non-fungible. Oh, jinx. jinx. Humans are non-fungible. Your fingerprint is non-fungible, right? Yeah. Compared to someone else. And so... Whales' tails, exa- I hear. Oh, I interesting. Know. Yes. I don't know, actually. But well, yes, it's a fingerprint for a whale. So that's actually really cool. Um, but I think also the inverse of that helps a lot. Fungible is like a dollar for a dollar. It doesn't matter what dollar it is, what the serial mm-hmm. number on the dollar is. The dollar will always be exchanged for another dollar. It doesn't matter which one it is, yeah, right? Even, yeah, that's an interesting point too because they do have different numbers associated with them. Yeah. But at the same time, one dollar is equal to one dollar or five one dollars are equal to one five dollar bill. Exactly. And so no one's, I mean, I guess some people could collect one dollar bills by their uh, serial number and then therefore they could be considered non-fungible, but... We're not talking about that. That's when people get weird. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about non-fungible tokens in the real world and then putting them onto the blockchain itself. And how can that be applicable? How could that be something of value? What is the benefit of that? And that's a really complicated question. Yeah. So there are some people working on this, right? You've got some people who are saying, okay, we're going to take physical baseball cards and Mm -hmm. we're going to fractionalize it, meaning we're going to break it down into different shares right and we're gonna say that we hold custody or someone holds custody of the physical card it it should be expected that they hold custody it should be right but not everyone is doing that so Mm -hmm. that's to me i think it's a problem in the future okay (laughs) it's like who actually owns it because the big thing that i've learned one of the biggest takeaways from blockchain is is the significance of ownership and what it Mm -hmm. actually provides individuals in terms of you know right Right now, the blockchain is in its early days still, you know, mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. inning kind of a thing. But yeah. I really think that ownership is the key. Yeah. And so the 
so anyways, going back to the baseball card example, right? Mm -hmm. There's a physical copy and then they fractionalize it into different shares and then they make that into a digital NFT and they say, okay, these are the shares of this physical copy, but we're going to give you a share of it in the digital form. And that's when you can kind of see like, okay, look, if the, if the company who's selling you these these shares of this base physical baseball card. And this, mm-hmm. we're talking about like baseball cards that are worth a lot of money. Yeah, right? Okay, let's break this down a little bit more. So why don't you say like, who, who's a baseball player? You want to do like Babe Ruth? Yeah. Or? Babe Ruth is good. Okay. Example. And so it's the physical card of it. Then it, not only do they just take the card and have possession of it, but it has to get rated. And so they give it a rating one through, so they go through another company to get a rating. And there's a few big companies that do this for, um, the majority of baseball cards yeah. and they give it a rating one through 10. If it's a nine or a 10, it's very, very rare. You could see how many nines or tens of that exact card exist. And then you can see how that card plays in the market. Are people, um, valuing it more so because of something recent that happened in the market or are, is it undervalued? And now you can actually, it's almost like a stock market of that physical item where people, if someone owns that card, you can offer shares of right. that card and you can own, you know, you could just buy a hundred dollars worth and now you own 0.0001 of a percent of that card. And if the market goes up, then your $100 increases in value. And if it goes down, you could lose your $100. Exactly. Perfectly explained. And so I, I don't know. We, there are a lot of issues with bringing physical into the digital in, mm-hmm. I think, our perspective. And right. I think it mainly comes down to, look, it's a great thing to try to um, offer value to individuals who wouldn't otherwise be able to actually even invest into a Babe Ruth baseball card, mm-hmm. right? By fractionalizing it, you're actually, you know, making it more inclusive, making people being able to buy, you know, just spend a little bit of money instead of paying the enormous amount of price that it actually right. is. But the thing is, is what happens if that digital gets lost or the, the physical card gets lost yeah then really you know so like th- there's there are some issues and so i guess we're kind of just putting that forth before we dive into this yeah. knowing that the issue with going from physical to digital mm-hmm. is there's a disconnect right and there, the, the there's big, a lot of complexities with it to say the least i think that's what you're saying when you're saying there's a disconnect like yeah. there's th- what happens if they there's someone who wants to buy the whole thing do they, what do they do? All the people who had shares, they have no choice. And then all of a sudden it's sold. Like yeah. if it's a company that gets acquired by another company, yeah. perhaps, I think that's an interesting, uh, situation that I have yet to see because it's kind of a new space that people yeah. are getting into. Yeah. But I mean, I, I get how people are doing it. It's almost like a certificate of deposit. Like you get like a ticket, like, Hey, here is verification mm-hmm. online as to what it is. And so if you went into the vault where they're all stored or whatever mm-hmm. it is, whoever's You'll holding cost, custody, this ticket will give you access to be able to see it, right? Well, I don't know if they do that. Yeah. But that, so, that's an interesting idea. Well, I to like me, that. To me, I, I do think that because blockchain, one of the greatest things about blockchain is it's an uh, immutable, like decentralized ledger of accounts, mm-hmm. right? You get to see every single transaction. So there's no funny business. Like you can't no. change it. I mean, you cannot change once the transactions happen. You can't yeah. reverse it. So, And therefore you should see every, like be able to see all the transactions on that item that you're investing into that physical item so you could see who has like not necessarily their name but you have an understanding of this this uh, transaction here that person who 
put through that transaction owns the majority of this card. Exactly. You know what I mean? But I think that's where, because this is a completely open, if it's digital native, then mm-hmm. it obviously will never, it won't come off the blockchain, right? The blockchain will always show the transactions. However, if it's physical, someone could just do it on the side and never record it on the blockchain, right? right yeah. So that to me is where the complexity gets in, right? So that's just a preface that I know it's kind of maybe going a little bit too into the weeds, but I think it's an important part I so. because I think you're doing great, to honey. me, I feel like it's actually most important to be probably digital native, Mm. rather than physical to digital but that's okay. like a, that's, or a, that's like a whole other conversation whole other i feel but what we're trying to do is like let's okay let's put that to the side but like we're trying to really come up and we've actually creatively come up with a few different um, ideas in terms of what could we do in the physical world yeah. that would actually so what i think that the opportunity is with the physical asset like say it was let's let's say it was you know a jacket for example right mm-hmm. Let's say it was a jacket. I wanted to sell like maybe 10 of these jackets that really had, you know, I, I don't know. It had something to do with like this jacket will give back. This jacket will also be able to like be tracked on the on the blockchain or something like that. Right. I feel like if you really start thinking about the physical and instead of saying, how can I transfer ownership to multiple people on the blockchain? I think where it could be really interesting is you say, well, OK, so this these 10 people bought this jacket what else could I do for them through the blockchain if this was connected? Mm. Like if I took this, so those 10 jackets say are like physical NFTs, right? Each one is different, but it's like in that collection of 10. Mm -hmm. And then we connect that with a digital uh, smart contract, an NFT on the blockchain. There's a lot of potential possibilities. There's just potential in terms of, okay, well now what more reward or what more value can someone get out of those jackets other than just saying, okay, look, this jacket represents, you know, this this gave back in a certain way or this did this I <laughs> there's feel, a there's a there's really i i think confidently we can say there's unlimited possibilities yes. of what could be done with a non-fungible token but the problem that we're trying to like address is what problem is making a physical item uh into a, have a part of the digital blockchain what problem is that solving yeah. and i i want to I, I still want to make sure that like we're explaining the nfts in the physical world to my grandma RIP because yeah. like I do want to make sure that this is like understood because we did talk about a baseball card and a baseball yeah. card is kind of like the go-to item but this is I, I want everyone to know like they're doing this there are many companies who are doing this and they're not just doing baseball cards there's a company that recently acquired Michael Jordan's very first pair of Nike Jordans that he created that he he I guess he like slam dunked in and he wore them on the court they're beat up they look disgusting and they're fractionalizing it because it's a over a hundred thousand dollar item and so they're the problem that they're attempting to solve with baseball cards being digitalized or Jordan shoes is they're giving the ability for people to invest into items that normally would require you to purchase the whole thing. Right. And so now you can own a portion of it. That's a pretty good problem to solve. Right. But we do have to trust that they are, you know, in full control and possession of those items. They won't sell those items. And wherever those items are kept, they're going to be kept in the exact same condition as they were when they were first taken in possession. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep, exactly. And and really... You want, you have to trust this, this kind of thing, even though it's new, it's creating a new marketplace. It's creating mm-hmm. new opportunity for people who would uh, otherwise not be able to even touch yes. those shoes. Right? right. So it's creating a new marketplace, 
But one thing that's actually like really, really required is that there's full transparency of what is going on, what happens with those shoes. And you have to trust the person who is actually physically handling Absolutely. those physical shoes, right? right. That they're not going to touch it, that they're not going, that, that it's going to be stored a in a way. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. And they're doing this, not just with shoes, not just with baseball cards. They're doing it. We've seen it, companies who are trying to do this with automobiles. Yep. So vintage automobiles, some of them are really expensive. Now you can add, own a portion of the automobile and that, share of the automobile can be traded on the web and it should be based on what is the most recent pricing of that physical vintage vehicle right which gets so complicated it really and that and i do want to kind of like talk about this because i'm trying to wrap my head around it like i feel like a lot of our listeners are like wait what like yeah you can ask the question now what can't be a physical what is a physical non-fungible item an asset that can't be broken up into shares you could do it with homes you could do it with plots of land what is it that you want to invest into those items now they're looking at being able to allow people to participate in and with that is massive opportunity but also with that there's a lot of questions we got going on and i think you brought up some really good points like we have to make sure that it's kept in mint condition etc but also I think that there's some major issues with the idea of, for example, a vintage car. If we're going to go with like, let's go with a DB4 Aston Martin. Yeah. We know how many of those there are, but they're kind of non-fungible in the sense of, you know, you got a blue one, you got a green one. This one was driven by this one. This one has different history, no matter what, to this one. Mm -hmm. You know, how does this one actually drive compared to this one? There's so many questions in between. How can you actually say that, well, the price is this much? I mean, are you just doing free market price on what people are willing to believe you're getting, even though it's a physical item and you're not able to see it, test drive it? It's someone's word that you're investing into, really. Yeah, no, it is. And there are actually numerical, you know, identifiers for every single car, like the VIN number or the chassis number. You know, chassis number is really more used for vintage automobiles. But really you have there's a lot of trust that has to occur Mm -hmm. i mean there's between the company and the investor exactly and actually if you if you allow more people to be in the market all of a sudden what does that do to the price right if you allow someone to have a fractional ownership of a of a car Mm -hmm. what is that going to do to the price of the car overall so that to me the beginning is how do why do you trust this company this entity Mm -hmm. to actually be honest about that car because even in real life when people are buying at auction houses you know physical and they're doing it from a distance there is at least always one person that they know who have who has actually looked at the car if they haven't done it themselves they like that's like almost like rule number one investing into vintage cars you got to see it yourself because there are open the hood yeah there are there there are unfortunately you know situations where someone's just trying to make a quick buck right and you the authenticity of the car is so important especially if it has racing history Mm -hmm. or it's claiming that it has racing history it's claiming that it was designed by this guy and it's one of five you know who actually designed it and so there's a lot of it's so complex so it's really complicated the variables in terms of setting the price for a vintage automobile right. is pretty complex. So I'm going to extend this further. Just and I, I know you're you're aware of this, but for like a lot of our friends, the new thing that I've been seeing, thanks to 
he was the founder of Reddit. He's married to uh, the tennis Serena player. Williams, yeah. Serena Williams and his her husband, I believe it's like Alex or something. Yeah. He's very, very nice, impressive techie guy. And he's kind of nerdy and cute white guy who you'd never think is marrying Serena Williams. But yeah. one thing that he's doing to show his love for Serena is he's been collecting her, uh, I guess it would be called tennis cards, mm-hmm. you know, the sports cards. And what he does is he doesn't actually take possession of them. He puts them onto one of these services that owns them and allows them to keep possession of it, own it, and then rent it out to others to have sh- partial share of it. So they, he's t- the owner, and he pays an insurance for it, and then he allows other people to have partial ownership of those cards. So it, they are not renting it. They are actually partially owning it. I can't remember, actually. Yeah, see, there are a lot of different options that you can do in the digital world. A lot more that you have to play with than you do in the physical world, and that's the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you can rent an NFT to yeah. someone. You could lend it to you someone. You can lend it but, to someone. But you're not lending the physical item. Exactly. Though. You're lending the digital. So it wouldn't make sense that he's renting it. Because, it, like yeah. in game cards, in digital game cards, you could rent a card and then they can, you know, have extra superpowers and then they can beat more games. Right. But in the um, realm where he, he's not taking possession of them, he's letting them keep possession, fully insured. He pays a very small monthly fee and then, oh, and then it allows him to, at any point in time, he can just sell it right there. And then that person has it, but they can choose if they take the physical position, position, possession, or if they keep it on the, on the, within the company itself. Yeah. I mean, that's just like a, a radical thing. What about the idea of someone else owns the car and then you're using this company as a service to distribute the shares of the car? Yeah, see, what we're doing is we're getting into creating markets with one physical asset, right? We're, mm-hmm. and, and what he's doing is, you know, in order for something to actually be valuable, you need supply and demand. You need people right. to actually demand it. And if you're bringing in a, all of a sudden a huge group of individuals online who never really would be able to afford to buy something at the price point of six figures or more, mm-hmm. right? You're allowing them to have a fractional ownership of it. Well, you're actually bringing more people into the market now. Now you're actually creating demand. You know, mm-hmm. people actually want the de- are wanting this and saying, okay, we're, by having partial ownership, there's the demand and there's a limited supply. So because you are actually creating people who want the card, I mean, the, people don't know what they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. If you don't know that you have the opportunity to actually own a portion of Serena Williams tennis card, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you don't know, but he, what he's doing is he's kind of bringing it to light. Like, Hey, we can actually do this online. And I think that the big, the biggest thing, like I said at the beginning with blockchain is it's the transparency. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, you know, if he all of a sudden is like, okay, I'm pulling it off now. Well, people will be able to say, Hey, look on the blockchain. I bought this amount of shares. This, this is that, this or that. I mean, I hope he doesn't, you know, if yeah. he pulls it off and like pulls a fast, he's not going to do that. He, he understands the community, but there are people out there who have scammed people saying, Hey, invest into this, invest into this. You put, people have put their money in and then all of a sudden they say, buy, this is now, this company is now closed Buy, and no one owned anything physical. And there's actually mm-hmm. no laws to cover them to say that they actually own the physical because the fractionalized shares were never actually registered with any sort of SEC or anything. It was just something that they created online. Yeah. And that's some of the beauty of the blockchain and also some of the flaws of the blockchain as well. Well, I think it's the flaw. The flaw is when you get into the physical to the digital. I think that Mm. is less so 
in the digital native. If it's fully digital, yeah. In in terms of digital assets. control, I agree, 100%. Assets. We're not talking about, you know, coins and exchanges and DeFi and stuff like that. We're talking more about physical assets. But the bridge between them is... And digital assets. There's some flaws with it. So I I do want to clarify really quick. So his name's Alexis, by the way, and he... uh, He's actually not only investing into Serena Williams cards now, her tennis cards, but he's investing into women's sports cards because he views it as a undervalued asset. Oh, interesting. I do think that's very cool. And he is saying that when, as this technology gets better, the market gets more efficient and liquid. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's owning them, but he's never taking possession of them. He does pay insurance on the physical item being in their possession, and then... Uh, if he wants to sell it at any point, it's literally just a few clicks like boom, put it for sale and then boom, transaction done and he gets the money. So that's kind of the beauty of it. But I am questioning about the idea of like, what if you like, do you have to, does the company itself have to have full possession of the item in order for them to offer it to the public? What are your thoughts on that? Because it is possible that maybe a vintage car owner says, yeah, okay, I'll give 10% to, to your company and then you can exchange those shares and then you're getting uh, the people who are investing it, the whole pie that they can get into is 10% ownership. Right. But then what happens when the car sells? Like, how does that work? It well, gets that's so the thing. Confusing. That's, see, that's the thing. I think that it really circles around trust and transparency. So, mm-hmm. and, and I would say that the... The vintage car world is not necessarily known for its transparency. So, yeah. I mean, people want to be private. That's one thing that definitely correlates with the blockchain, right? Definitely, you don't yeah. ever have to actually say who you are. Like the prince, of, the prince of Saudi Arabia, who has a huge collection, could definitely never let anyone know that it was him mm-hmm. who was actually lending out shares of his Ferrari or whatever right. that no one's seen in like five years, yeah. right? He could actually do that completely privately. I mean, people could connect the dots, but it would be really difficult. So I think that that lends itself. But I, I would say that in terms of how car auctions work right now, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a black box, right. right? And so, yeah, I think the company, to me, the company should have some structure of Hey, if this happens and this, because I mean, if, if it, yeah. if they don't own Establish it prior to yeah. the investor getting, well, that's in where the contract, a contract comes in. It has mm-hmm. to be legally so ba- be bound that's it, a good point. and it could be put in the smart contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, smart contracts in terms of like legality and how they hold up in different courts around the world. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother debate for another Such time. A, like, it's honestly, we're in the first inning. Yeah, we are in the first inning. And so, again, it all goes back to trust and transparency. And if Mm -hmm. there's a lack of transparency and you're a brand new company, so you have not established any sort of trust, how do you actually gain the trust Mm -hmm. of people who you want to bring in to be able to invest into this new asset class, right? Right. Like, honestly, it's really crazy to think like, yeah, a a Ferrari 250 GTO, which is like valued at over $32 million, right? Mm That all of a sudden that a $32 million market is pretty big. One asset, you know, <laughs> yeah. one asset and only one person owns it. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes a multiple people own or a museum owns it or a nonprofit does, but one individual or entity owns that one thing. And now you're going to try to bring it out into the market and allow people. I think that what the digital space does is it allows for markets to be created, mm-hmm. you know, in the wild, yeah. it's like the wild West. It is currently, but I, I think that maybe it will get, perhaps a little bit more organized as time goes on but yeah right now there's so many out there i am constantly questioning the 
the validity behind the company itself because well, yeah it's pretty easy to make a website nowadays. well the truth the truth is, is also like yeah it is really easy and so, there is a lot of pseudonyms and there is a lot of I, I just i feel like people need to be careful in this early phase when it comes to physical to digital mm-hmm. because there really is no one regulating this space right. which is okay i'm not for regulation necessarily but you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of work that needs to get done because the yeah. last thing I want to do is see anyone get scammed out yeah. of something that they well, thought was going to make I kind of think that money. some people will get scammed. Yeah, I do and, too. It, and it's just a matter of time when there's this many people going after. I do want to go back before this ends to the discussion of the jacket. And so yeah. this is where a physical item is being created at the same time as it being placed onto the blockchain. Yeah, so this is a bit different, I think. So mm-hmm. in terms of like a car that's been in the physical world for lots of years or mm-hmm. a baseball card of Babe Ruth that's been here for 50 plus years you mm-hmm. know we're talking about something that was intentionally created in the physical world to be tra- tokenized like, at the same time yeah in, digitally digitally but like so it's it's a physical asset that is like in its infancy connected right. with the digital so we'll, we'll, let's talk about the like the first time that we've seen this happen is that there's a there's an individual who's very successful in the crypto world and he acquired i think he bid on it it was it was a very rare jacket i'm not sure how many they made and it was fully reversible which is a nice little feature too Mm -hmm. and the jacket was tokenized which enabled him and tell me if i'm wrong about this at all it enabled him to wear the jacket in the virtual world as it had a um like an it, it because it was tokenized the physical item you could wear in whatever decentral land or virtual world you're choosing to play in as long as it's built on the blockchain technology. Exactly. And it had, it was kind of a cool design. It had the code uh, either sewn or screen printed on the side of the jacket. And furthermore, it had a, I believe it was an RFID tag. Yeah, I think so too. Like sewn into it. So it could always be scanned as to who owns it. So the honest way that we like to envision that this go- could go is that if he's going to sell the jacket he should sell both the jacket and the digital version at the same time yeah is it possible that he could just sell the physical one and then he has the virtual one yes and that's the problem that i'm seeing with making a physical item digital and the other question i'm, I'm having is like what problem does that solve? So yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know what problem it solves necessarily. I mean, I would, I would, so you purchase the physical jacket, which becomes instantly, you're basically purchasing an NFT that mm-hmm. comes with a physical item, um, item yeah. right? So you it's a digital. It, that's interesting. You can look at it either way. Yeah. yeah, you're purchasing an NFT, right? Like you would, like a piece of art. And you're mm-hmm. purchasing that jacket so you can wear it in whatever virtual world you want to you know, wear it in yeah. or display it in your museum if you want, like a, you know, museum of, of virtual <laughs> fashion, right? Yeah. Um, and then because you bought the NFT, you're going to be uh, sent a physical jacket as yeah. well to basically kind of, I don't know, it could be for a variety of reasons, whether it's yeah. just bringing awareness or, you know, whatever it is. But this jacket was designed very much ahead, like, you know, Ethereum, uh, you know, styled, logos and stuff like that it, had, it was very crypto it was, it was, it was very cool. very crypto it yeah. was really cool and it had yeah like the code on it and everything like that so i think that you're buying the nft you're getting a physical thing and i think what really it comes down to is that the, because 
it's an NFT that you purchase and you just so happen to get a physical thing along with that NFT, mm-hmm. which a lot of artists are doing as well. They'll send you the physical copy of the print that yeah. you bought on, on, you know, nifty gateway. Yeah. Um, it now allows the designer or the company who's selling that jacket to be able to reward that individual more so than, than you would if you were just a physical retail company, right? Yeah, yeah. So in terms of, okay, so you have this NFT and we have all of the proof that you own this and you own this in the physical world too, yeah. right? So now because of this also, because of this NFT and the smart contract, it also says that the purchase of this, um, actually the smart contract says 10% of that sale goes to this nonprofit organization, yeah. Yeah. right? This hasn't been done yet. This hasn't this been done like yet, but this is, this is what we've been, been playing. thinking about. Yeah, yeah, we've been playing around with it. And so, so that's great. So obviously now, because this is something that we did with Life Out of the Box, we wanted to actually be transparent in showing the giving. And right. the, the smart contract makes it super transparent. Like, I don't have to do anything, really. You, you can actually see where that 10% went to. You can go and look on the blockchain exactly which... Uh, wallet it went into and you know what the pseudonym is or the nonprofit is Mm -hmm. that whose wallet received that and then you can continue to resell that if you want to and in the smart contract you can have it actually donate more now that's more so like giving (laughs) back but for the person who bought it you can do a lot of other things as well like okay because you own this jacket this nft jacket now you're uh, you're able to um you know, get into the bid for this new collection for the spring, for example. Like if you wanted to continue to buy more retail stuff, yeah. right? There could be rewards that are like a lot of people, like artists in the NFT space are doing right now in terms of like maybe, you know, if you buy like Steve Aoki, you buy this, we're going to give you VIP access to whatever concert in the later future, yeah. right? So, so I just think that if it, you oh, have a physical jacket and they can verify that that's the one, then that could be your ticket into the concert. Exactly. So there's a lot of potential with it. And I kind of feel like we were hoping to get to those parts of the conversation, but a large part of this conversation was just talking about, I mean, I don't, we've only just been tapping the beginning of recognizing the possibilities of physical items being on the digital blockchain and the potential of it. And it's a lot to digest and I'm very excited because now we have a whole nother episode where we can yeah. discuss it, you know? Yeah, I do too. I, yeah, I think we discussed the flaws mainly in this episode and hope that you guys were following along with that. But I think that there is actually a lot of opportunity if we really, but before we can go to the opportunity, we have to like really understand what still needs to happen, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of it working and people actually trusting that it can work from yeah. physical to digital. So appreciate you all listening to us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to talking to you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.